Welcome to It's Your Hormones, the podcast that delves into how your hormones affect every aspect of your life. I'm Dr. Sahar Rokhead. I've been a doctor for almost 20 years and I'm a GP who's been working with patients with hormonal issues for 10 years. Each week you'll hear from a patient of mine or someone I know with hormonal issues who will share their real life story for you to learn how hormones can affect your mood, energy, sleep and quality of life and most importantly, what you can do about it. Let's start the show. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sahar. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm really good. Really excited to be here. Yeah, good to have you here. So for the listeners here, Mike and I are actually really good friends. We met about four years ago uh, on a night out. And as all nights outs uh, happen, you know, we ended up talking about hormones. Uh, I was saying I was a hormone doctor. And then Mike shared his hormone story with me. And uh, we thought we'd share that with you today. Mm, yeah, and we spent the whole night talking about, well, first of all, you just said you were a doctor and then you yeah. slipped into the conversation, you deal with hormones. And I said, well, let me tell you about my story. <laughs> yeah, I like to be vague when I first meet people, <laughs> but then I thought I'd tell you about the hormones I do. And um, yeah, we ended up talking about testosterone treatment for men, didn't mm, we? Yeah. And had a really good chat about it. And uh, yeah, I thought we'd share that with uh, the people listening today. And I think what's really important about doing this is that certainly for testosterone or hormone treatment in men, there's not a great deal of awareness out there. And I speak to a lot of people about this because I really want to uh, increase awareness. And I see this as a massive platform and that's why I'm so excited to be here. But so many people I speak to, they just say, I didn't realise that was a thing. And it's just really interesting getting that response. People have got no idea that this exists. And that's why I think it's just really interesting to share this with people. I remember when we met, actually, you were actually really excited to be able to tell me about it and that you were talking to someone who knew all about it yeah. and was like on board with everything. Yeah, yeah, because there's, there's so much... Awareness. Well, actually, there's not much awareness about um, hormone treatment in women. And actually, so many women say there's not much information out there. And and I said, well, well try being a bloke. There's even less yeah. information out there for for men. So it's it was really interesting to meet somebody who actually knew about it. Yeah, I was thinking about it on the way over today, actually. And I was thinking about how it's getting a bit better now for women in terms of menopause awareness and, and things like that. I think the awareness still isn't there for younger women and how that can affect them mm -hmm. quite a lot. But you're totally right. For men, it's almost like unheard of because I think... You know, if you say testosterone, people think like bodybuilders and, and all this sort of thing. And it really isn't the case at all, is it? No, no. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about about it. And and also, I'm not trying to trivialise menopause in women. I've had so many of my female friends that have had a, a horrid time of it. And uh, you're absolutely right about the misconceptions of testosterone treatment for men because... Uh, the misconception is that it's it's um, midlife crisis and men will typically um, buy a motorbike and then have an affair with a secretary. <laughs> but in this case, it's the real truth couldn't be further from the truth. I didn't buy a motorbike and I didn't have an affair with my secretary. <laughs> in actual fact, the reality is it's just really horrible. Okay. It's just the most horrible thing to go through. So why don't you start by um, telling the listeners about what, what happened to you and how you sort of found out about testosterone treatment? It started off with 
depression, and I've been prone to depression pretty much all my life. But small bouts, which would maybe be one week or no longer than two, and then it would blow over and then I would be fine. And then a few years ago, I got another bout of depression and one week turned into two to to a month to six months. And um, I could just feel there was no escape from it. I went to my GP and he gave me Prozac, which turned me into zombie. So I completely stopped taking that straight away. And um, I just thought there's something not right here. This isn't a chemical issue in my brain. Everything in my life is fine. There, I have a good job. I earn a decent salary. I'm in a happy, happy marriage. I have a beautiful home. I have great friends. And every single part of my life is perfect. But so why am I feeling so bad? And it really led me to just really research the hell out of it. And from doing that research, I kept on finding a correlation between men over 40, low testosterone and depression. So I went to an endocrinologist, got treated and my levels were within the range, but low for the range. And what I did, I'd done so much research on it and I I basically said, look, my, my levels are of an 80-year-old man with type 2 diabetes because originally he wasn't going to give me treatment for it. But I really, really pushed because I'd done my research. I went in with graphs, charts, stats. I knew my stuff. I knew it inside out. So I was really able to fight for that treatment. And I think we went on three different types of treatment before we settled on one that actually worked for me. And... It has just been life-changing. Well, probably more life-saving than life-changing. Mm. So, you know, you'd, you'd done your own research. That mm-hmm. was the first part. You'd seen the GP. Um, you knew that something wasn't right. Like Exactly like you said, you know, you are a really upbeat person. You've got great quality of life, you know, great friends, family, all that sort of thing. That's all brilliant in your life. So you kind of knew it wasn't situational. Mm-hmm. But is that what people were telling you? Oh, look, it's probably situational, it's probably depression, and and you just weren't quite buying it? Well, I think having suffered from depression periodically throughout my life, um, nobody could really tell me anything about it because I was pretty much an expert and I knew how to manage it. And there are people that don't really understand it. They just say, oh, just, just kind of snap out of it. But when you're in that headspace, it's just really difficult. It's impossible to snap out of it. Plus, you had tried the antidepressant and it just didn't Mm. do anything for you. So I guess that was another sign Mm. that there was something else going on. Yeah. And I've never been comfortable with taking antidepressants. And deep down, my gut feeling was this wasn't the right thing to do. And as it turned out, it turned me into a walking zombie for about the three days that I I took them. I was going into work, I was going into the office and, and just walking around just in a bit of a daze. Mm. You know, Who am I? What's my name? Yeah. And um and so I just came off them immediately and and started to feel back to normal. What normal was back yeah. then. What that normal was was feeling like I had a massive dark cloud above my head that just would not shift no matter what and it was just permanently there yeah so just to say you know if you do have a true chemical 
imbalance, then of course the antidepressants mm-hmm. would be of benefit. But obviously that wasn't the case for you and that's why they, they made it all worse for you. Mm-hmm. Um but of course they do benefit some people if they don't have another deficiency going on in their system. Um, so like you said, the other depression you'd had in the past had already been always been really short-lived. Mm-hmm. So how long was this going on for? Pretty much all my life, to be quite honest. And bearing in mind that I've been on this treatment now for five years. And in those five years, I haven't had a single small bout of depression at all. So I suspect that my levels were low many, many years, way into my 20s, possibly. It is a possibility. Yeah. I mean, of I mean, course... I'll never know. But... Yeah, yeah, you'd only know if it was checked at the time. And, you yeah. know, actually, sometimes I do see men in their 20s. And, and to be honest, when men in their 20s come in, I always have a little heart sink moment because I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, no, are they just here for bodybuilding mm-hmm. reasons? And, um, I, you know, normally if men come in their 40s, it makes a bit more sense. But, you know, I've seen some guys come in at that time and they are very much like telling me all the symptoms of low testosterone and I check the levels and they are really, really low. So, mm-hmm. of course, it is possible for a younger man to also have low testosterone and it's often misdiagnosed as just depression. Mm-hmm when it's actually due to a hormonal imbalance. So I think it's really important just to be aware of these things. And these aren't things that you can easily get tested, as you know, which we'll, we'll go into. But um, I think it's always worth bearing in mind if if you are a man listening to this who's in this situation or you know a man in your life who's in this sort of situation. Um, so by the time you'd seen the endocrinologist, how long had the depression been going on for? Probably, oh, uh, oh, the the short boat yeah. was probably about probably about a year actually. About a year. So that's quite Con- a long time. Yeah, continuous, continuous. Yeah. And I remember you telling me, you know, it was it was quite bad. You were obviously still functioning mm. in terms of your your job and things, but you, I, I remember you saying you're doing very little else really. Yeah. Nobody had a clue about what was going on. Uh, the only thing that happened that I remember my boss took me into an office and said, what's wrong with you, Mike? You're you're not your usual self. Am I putting too much work on you? And I said, well, I'm just... No, it's not that. I just don't feel that good and haven't done for a while. And he told me about um, his nephew who'd gone through depression and had therapy and, and he went through it for a couple of years. And I think that was quite early on. And I thought, oh, God, I can't go through this for a couple of years because I just feel so bad, just thinking it would blow over. But, yeah, it was probably about a year. Yeah, so that's a long time. I think I remember you saying you knew you were spending a lot of time in bed and, mm. and that's not you as someone who knows you pretty yeah. well. You know, I, I can't imagine that. Yeah, and actually when I came out of it, I did speak to some of my friends and about it and they said, I had no idea you were going through that. Why didn't you speak to me? And But you don't. And I think that's also a, a very man thing as well. We don't talk about our feelings yeah. and because you're seen as a, as a failure. And, yeah. But maybe that's another subject. Yeah. <laughs> So in terms of what was going on, like we said, you know, you, 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 you know, you were functioning, of course, but, you know, you weren't having great quality of life, really, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, the enjoyment in your life, really, spending time in bed. You know, I know, like I said, I know that's not you, really. I mean, how low did you get? Pretty low. How, how low do you think you were? Um, I think probably the lowest you can get. I had, at the time, I 
I had to I had to date in my diary to end my life. That's that's how bad it was, and um, and I, I, it terrifies me actually talking about it now. If anybody looked at my internet history at the time, it was all about how to end your life, and uh, and I look back at that and I, I think it's completely crazy, and and it scares me that it got to that bad, and it also actually makes me angry as well because. I, I had to really fight for this treatment so hard. And and I thought, how bad does this have to be before before doctors will believe you and, and make it easy to get this treatment? And, um, yeah, I think that's probably the lowest that you can get to. And the reason I didn't go through with it was because I discovered the connection with low testosterone and and depression. And I thought, right... This is Last Chance Saloon. I'm going to go with this. And if this doesn't work, then then I'm, I'm putting the exit sign up. And uh, fortunately, it did work because I'm still here. <laughs> fortunately. But that is scary to hear that you got that low. Obviously, nobody knew about it around yeah. you. But it was just all going on in your head and you actually starting to make plans to mm. do something. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, it's terrifying. We we know how high suicide rates are in men as mm. well. So, you know, there could be a link there. It's a, a missing piece of the puzzle that perhaps this needs to be looked into more. Mm. Yeah, I wonder how, how many other men have gone through this but not been able to have the information to hand to, to, to see that actually there's potentially a solution for this. And uh, And I reckon that the amount of men that are suffering from this are probably much higher than than we would think and they're, they're suffering they don't realize they're suffering they they get antidepressants and as you correctly say you know they do work if you have a a chemical imbalance but with a low hormone all it's doing is putting a sticking plaster on the on the symptoms without treating the root cause. Yeah, it's the same as when women in menopause get given an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. It's going to help a little bit, but you haven't really addressed the chemical imbalance, the hormonal yeah. imbalance, so it's not really doing that much. Um, I think the important thing to point out is that when you talk about men and testosterone, people always just think about things like sex drive and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But actually, your symptoms were very different in yeah. terms of the mood, really. Yeah, just very low self-esteem, um, just feeling I was worthless, uh, not having any energy to do anything, lost interest in my appearance. I would still go to the gym, um, but not really to the same level as what I used to. Um, Just kind of given up. Lost my zing, basically. This is what I hear from male patients. You know, they, they come in and they just feel flatter, maybe not to the extent you were in terms of being low, but they feel a bit more flat. Everything's a bit more effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, the focus and the concentration has gone at work. Oh, totally. Yeah, that's yeah? another thing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I hear that quite a lot. And that's often the first thing they notice because maybe you're in a quite high job and then you realise you're making mistakes or, you know, you can't quite do things like you used to. Mm. And then something I also hear is, you know, I used to have energy to get up in the morning, go to the gym, go to work, socialise after, 
I'm just barely functioning now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really common thing I hear as well. Mm-hmm. And then you said you were working out. You know, I hear that people are a lot more achy. Um, the strength is gone. They can't do as much as they used to. They feel fatigued after the exercise. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just important to know these symptoms. That's not just all about, oh, aggression and, and sex drive and things. Actually, it's really holistic in the way it can affect your life. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's interesting you talk about aggression because, as I mentioned before, I've tried three different types of testosterone. And when I was on the second one, which was a twice-weekly injection, I went for my checkup, and the endocrinologist said to me, do you look forward to your injections? And I said, well, not really. I don't mind them. I don't have a problem with injections, but I don't particularly look forward to them. And he said, I'm going to try on something else. It's an eight-weekly dose and it's a slow release and it's quite a big injection I thought well okay let's just give it a shot and the first time I had it I actually felt a little bit panicky and then the second time I had it which was first thing in the morning I remember at lunchtime going to the gym and I did the most amazing workout I felt like an absolute warrior (laughs) and I remember walking back to work and I just had this big smile on my face and everything was at peace with the world and bear around that's just after I've had my injection so I'm at the height of my levels at that point so for me the correlation with aggression the connection with the aggression is more towards the end of my uh, my cycle I get I get more I notice by week six I start to get more irritable with people and and I do it even without thinking it's not it's not a psychological thing I don't think oh, I'm, I'm low because I'm due my next injection. Quite often I forget about that and I suddenly realise I've snapped at somebody <laughs> and, then I'm, and then I put two and two together and realise I'm, I'm due for my next injection. So for me, it's a complete opposite. Being at the height of that testosterone level just makes me really happy, really dynamic, really on top of everything. And um, there's no aggression at all whatsoever because as... We all know having too much testosterone will make you aggressive. It can, yeah, it certainly can. So let's go back to your journey about actually getting a prescription. So mm-hmm. obviously you had to do your own research mm-hmm. and then you convinced the GP to refer you yourself? Uh, no, it wasn't the... I, I went private. I was very lucky to have private healthcare. I, but yeah, you're right. I did have to convince the GP. Um, they did want me to have blood tests at the GPs, but I just thought, you know what, I've got private health insurance, I'm very lucky to do that, to have this, and I feel very grateful to have this. I don't want to waste the NHS resources when I can be doing this privately. And it's doing it with a proper specialist rather than uh, a, a GP who maybe doesn't specialise in hormones as much as a proper endocrinologist will. So I did get a referral, and and that's what led me to being referred to an endocrinologist. And then you got your levels back. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, they were like, it's not low enough to, to treat you. Yeah, yeah. I think I was, I think the reference range is 7 to 31. Yeah. I came out at 11. And I'd already... So if you think about these reference ranges, now, you, you know more about this than I do, but this is based on the population. Yes. So this is um, really fit people, uh, young people, old people, people with diseases like diabetes, um, obese people, 
fit people. Yeah. So it's a very wide, broad reference range. Yeah, it is. Um, the other thing is in the UK, we only have um, one reference range. That's it. In the US, they do it age dependent. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So it would be a different range if you're like under 25, different range up to 40, different range afterwards. So obviously that would make a difference as well. And Totally. So, you know, men don't have the same sort of menopause as women. They have more of a gradual decline of hormones. Mm -hmm. Women, their ovaries stop working and there's a sharp drop off. So they get a lot of symptoms all in one go. You know, the flushes and the the moods and the sleep and the concentration. It all happens quite quickly and Mm -hmm. suddenly. Whereas that doesn't happen to men. But there is a gradual drop off. And... You know, we say it's really from your 40s, but it's actually probably before because mm-hmm. it's probably happening from your 30s onwards. I mean, we say with women, you know, your fertility declines from the age of 27. There could be a case that you're getting a slight drop off as a man from that similar sort of age as well. So you get this gradual decline. So, of course, you know, your range is going to be different based on your age, like you said, quite rightly, your lifestyle, you know, your weight, um, how healthy you are, and also then bearing in mind how active you are. So if you're a very active person, you probably would need slightly higher testosterone than someone who isn't active. Um, and you clearly did a good job of um, putting that all towards your endocrinologist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Well, that that's what I had to do. I had to build a case and because I research what is what is called a high tea lifestyle, and that is um, not drinking a huge amount regularly, not on medication, not having diseases, not being obese. I knew I wasn't obese. I lift weights. So to all purposes, I live a high tea lifestyle. So I knew that my range should be round about the 20s. Yeah. And so that's why I was able to explain. Well, I had to explain this even to just get the blood test to be quite honest because they're they don't don't hand these out um if you don't you're not having the symptoms and there's and, and a probably reason... to to look at you yeah. because you look fit and healthy perhaps they thought oh Possibly. why does he want these bloods done you know he looks fine but it's not all about how you look is it mm. it's like we were saying it's all about how you're feeling on the inside yeah that's true that's true and um, so I think it's really important to, to to just do your research, and and actually have that purpose for for going to to get checked, and uh, just being clear about what you want to to get from it as well, and and the reason that most GPs and endocrinologists are so careful about it is because hormones are something you don't want to mess around with. You absolutely have to have to respect them. It's not the thing to go to the the gym and buy testosterone off a bodybuilder because you can really mess up your system. I'm now considered stable, so I get checked about once every 14 months and then I get a prescription for my tea for the whole 14 months. Uh, And actually, I've just come from a check. and but it's not just checking my T levels; it's checking my um, my thyroid, my um, 
We'll be checking your estrogen yes. to make sure that's not going too high because testosterone can convert into estrogen if you take too much. And you know what? I've just been having a conversation with my endocrinologist about that and he's, <laughs> t- and he's ticked all the things in my, my blood results. So I should know this but because it's been less than half an hour ago and it's just escaped my memory. But They'd be checking your PSA for your prostate mm-hmm. to make sure that's all okay. Yep. The hormones from the brain that tell your body to make testosterone uh, probably just your general kidney function, liver function to make sure, you know, if you're injecting a medication that's not causing any damage. And then the other thing to keep an eye on is your full blood count because too much testosterone can cause an increase in haemoglobin, mm-hmm. the red stuff in your blood, and that can then thicken the blood and then that can lead to things like clots. So that's a very important thing to keep an eye on as well. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's what you have done. And they're all absolutely fine. <laughs> Great. So that's important. And and like you said, you know, it's been a, a rough process to to get the medication. So it's just so I can put it into context for the listeners, the... Um, NHS guidelines and and the NICE guidelines say you should only treat a man if his level is below nine. So it's got to be pretty low before they are able to give treatment. But then maybe for you, Mike, you know, your level would have been nine in another two or three years time Mm -hmm. and then you'd have got treatment. Of course, my concern is that, you know, you might not have been around at that point, which is the scary bit. Yeah, and I can tell you now, I wouldn't have been able to survive living the way that I was. Yeah. So I probably wouldn't be here if if we had to wait for it to go down to, to nine because at 11, it was pretty grim. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of my work is in the preventative medicine sphere, so I don't want to wait until people get ill before we treat them. Let's prevent the illness. Let's prevent the depression. Let's prevent the heart attack, you know, mm. and just get things on board early on. So that's where I'm coming from with it. And... To be honest, you know, I do see guys who've got low levels where they are below seven, but a lot of the time it's it's a bit borderline, more like your levels, really. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, I would say, OK, let's do a therapeutic trial of treatment. So we'd look at doing some treatment for three months or so, and then we'd recheck levels. Now, if your levels are a lot better, but you still feel awful, then clearly it's not to do with the testosterone. And we've only done it for a a few months. We've done all the checks that we just discussed. But if we, we, you know, do the treatment, the levels don't improve, we try a different treatment, get the levels improved, and you feel better, then clearly that was the missing piece of the puzzle. So... You know, I, I do feel a bit more open about it. But of course, I, you know, people come to see me privately, so there are resources there that the NHS doesn't necessarily have. So I do understand that as well. And as you said at one point, um, I spend a lot of my working day doing this and the GP doesn't necessarily. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there's a bit of that stigma of going, oh, can I get my testosterone checked? And they're like, why? Because you want to do bodybuilding in the gym. <laughs> so, you know, you do have to be aware of these things. But I think that's what we're trying to do, just promote that awareness. So people, you know, doctors and patients are more aware of the symptoms that can be caused by a, a low testosterone. Um, so I wanted to ask you about, because I know you did a few different types of treatment before you found that worked for you. You said you're currently on like an eight-week injection and that mm-hmm. works really well for you. Um, so testosterone generally is topical or short-acting injections or long-acting injections. And um, they all work well for different people, but sometimes it is a bit of trial and error to find the right one for you. And that's why it's good to start small and build up and just see what you tolerate and 
and what actually works for you because the first treatment that I did didn't work for me at all. In fact, it had an opposite effect on my on my T levels. And that was fine because we did it for six weeks. And at the end of it, I got checked out and, and the, my endocrinologist said to me, how are you feeling? Before showing me the results. And um, and I said, well, don't really feel any different, to be quite honest. And and as it turned out, my, my levels had dropped way below. In fact, they were virtually undetectable. So... Um, so that's what put me onto the the injection. We did try that for probably about a year, but that was with regular checks in between. So that was first six weekly checks and then three monthly checks until I got to the stage where I was stable. So, yeah, like you're saying, it is a bit of a, a process and a journey. Again, mm. like, you know, you wanted the medication, probably quite happy. Oh, I've been acknowledged. I'm going to get a trial of treatment and then it's not quite working. But I think... Even just knowing you're being monitored and checked and mm -hmm. they're going to find the solution for you can be hopeful in itself, right? Yeah, and there's so many different types of treatment that you can have. I've tried three, but there are so many other different types of injection, yeah. different topical types of treatment that you can have as well. So what works for one person may not work for the other and vice versa. Yeah, and that's what I see. I see, you know, everyone's so individual and different. So I've got some people on short-acting injections, some people on longer injections, some people are on the topical stuff and it's working really well for them. So there is that variety in um, treatments and that's why it's good we've got quite a few different things available, of course. Mm -hmm. So... I wanted to say, Mike, you know, obviously you've shared your story and thank you for that. But, you know, what is the end result? How do you feel today compared to several years ago? Today, I feel amazing. Um, I, at the time when I was having the treatment, I was working at an investment bank and I've been there for about eight years. And my boss was a bit crappy and I wasn't really that happy, but I wouldn't have had the courage to leave a job that I was comfortable in and take a risk and I moved to still the same type of job that I'm doing but for a different industry and since I've started in that job I've uh, been promoted, I'm doing so much more than what I would have done before. I know for a fact that without the treatment I wouldn't have had the courage to make that, that move, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now, loving what I'm doing now um, I have so much more energy. I do so much more. And I feel pretty invincible, actually. That's great. That's awesome. I obviously met you when you were further down your testosterone journey. Mm -hmm. You were already on treatment. So it's almost inconceivable for me to imagine where you were I know. before I met you, having known you now and the sort of vibrant, vital person you are. You know, I would describe you as really upbeat, full of energy, you know, really sharp, really focused. So it's just amazing what the treatment's done. Yeah. And actually, you talk about focus and you mentioned that earlier, and that's another advantage. I'm so much more focused at, at, at work. Uh, my levels of concentration are are much better. I feel I feel almost smarter than what I was before. And the other interesting thing is I've, I'm quite early into my treatment actually, but I think I was I was on the treatment that I'd uh, settled on. I was looking at pictures of myself from before treatment. And I remember thinking, I don't recognize that person even visually and I haven't changed visually at all. 
but just looking, just look, I just looked dead behind the eyes, and uh, I just didn't recognise that person, and it was it was just really interesting to to see that, and I think that's what really. I think that's what just really it just really sunk in how important this treatment was for me and how life-changing it was. So, Mike, finally, do you have any tips for the men listening out there or women who've got men in their lives that they're concerned about? My tips are, if you're going through depression, get your hormone levels checked. Do your research. Um, ask for your results as well. If you go to a GP and they give you a blood test and they won't let you see what your numbers are, um, ask for them. Make sure you do your research, you know what the numbers mean. And if you're within range, but you still don't feel good and you're there of the low end of the range and you feel they should be higher, challenge it. And, and get independent advice if possible. Get a, a second opinion from someone. And um, just be aware of it as well, because I think the more people that are aware of this, so this isn't just for, it's not just for men over 40 who may, may be suffering from this, it's for your mates, the guys you go to football with, it's for your nephew, your son, anybody who might potentially suffer for this. And girls, it's for your boyfriends, it's for your husbands, just to be aware of this. And if I can just help one person by doing this podcast, then by just raising aware of this, then it would just make me really, really happy. It's a great aim to have. Thank you, Mike. Pleasure, and thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mike. We touched on so many important points. Firstly, testosterone replacement therapy isn't just about sex drive. It can really affect a man's mood. Mike was so open about his struggles and how he felt suicidal. This is so important for us to be aware of with the men in our lives. Secondly, getting levels checked is so important and seeing someone who can interpret them in the context of your symptoms is also vital. Thirdly, there are lots of different types of testosterone replacement therapy available. As Mike said, he tried several before he found one that works. That means don't give up and try different treatments until you find one that works and work with a doctor who can monitor and hear your concerns. If you're concerned that you have low testosterone or someone you know has low testosterone, then please consult your doctor or a doctor who understands hormones. There is a link to my website with more information on testosterone replacement therapy in the show notes, as well as some other helpful information on low testosterone. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please feel free to subscribe and share it with people you think will benefit from it. Thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to speaking next week. 